Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. From the Society for Nautical Research, in partnership with Lloyd's Register Foundation, I'm Sam Willis, and this is the Mariner's Mirror podcast. The world's number one podcast dedicated to all of maritime history. Hello everyone and welcome to the Mariner's Mirror podcast. This forms part of a new mini-series on the sinking of the Lusitania, that terrible event when the enormous Cunard passenger liner was sunk off the coast of Ireland by a German U-boat in May 1915, killing 1,193 people. Today we hear from Anthony Richards from the Imperial War Museum. Anthony is an expert on eyewitness testimony and is an expert on the sinking of the Lusitania. Today we discuss the very exciting purchase at auction by the museum of numerous accounts of the disaster and what they can tell us about this defining moment in the First World War and in the history of all disasters at sea. Please note that in part two, we will be reading out some of the most dramatic of those first-hand accounts. And that episode will be released at the same time as this one. So please keep your eye out for that. Part three will be a general history of the ship and will place the tragedy in the context of early 20th century shipbuilding and, of course, in the context of the outbreak of the war. As we speak, I'm also preparing to travel to Liverpool to attend the memorial service there, so I hope there will be some fascinating content coming out of that as well that I can bring you. For now, though, here is Anthony, and as ever, I hope you enjoy listening to him as much as I enjoyed talking with him. Anthony, thank you very much for joining me today. No, thank you. Thank you for asking me. So, um... I've always been fascinated by studying uh, maritime disasters and shipwrecks and um, the different ways that you can you can kind of pick apart the evidence. Now, you've um, spent some time looking at these eyewitness accounts of the Lusitania. How did you get into this topic in the first place? Well, um, I suppose really it was through my my sort of day job, as it were, um, because I, I work at the Imperial War Museum in London. And my job really is to look after um, the personal testimony, um, mainly in the form of written testimony. So things like letters and diaries and memoirs, um, but also uh, oral history interviews and, and things like that. Uh, but it's basically people's stories, you know, uh, people's experiences of warfare, 
what happened to them, how they felt about it, that that kind of thing. So I'm going to butt in here and tell you that my grandfather's diary is in your collection. So oh, um, I'm not going to I'm not going to put you on the spot to see if you've read it. <laughs> but um, yes. if you if you want uh, if you want an amazing description of the Battle of Kohima in uh, the Second World War in Burma. Um, then John Faulkner's diary is the one to read. He was an artist as well, a fantastic guy. Um, anyway, there you are. So, um, but you focused on um, the maritime world uh, in this in this book. Is that something that you you were sort of naturally drawn to, or had you been sort of more focused on land warfare before, or was, is it all under your your control? Um, well, yeah. I mean, I, I, as part of the job, and, and and you know, it's the museum's remit, I suppose, to cover all aspects of of warfare and conflict. Um, so I hadn't concentrated on maritime history at all, really. Uh, but um, I can tell you sort of how it came about. And it came about because um, on behalf of the museum, I attended an auction at, I think it was Sotheby's, um, quite some time ago, maybe about 20 years ago. And uh, I was representing the museum and we wanted to buy this collection of letters, and the letters were written by survivors of the Lusitania. Uh, so to cut a long story short, we purchased these letters, and when we got them back to the museum, uh, I went through them all, sort of catalogued them and put them in order and so on. And it became apparent that this was an absolutely fantastic collection of several hundred letters mainly written by survivors of the sinking. And running through this correspondence was basically the story of one passenger and what happened to him, uh, which was absolutely brilliant because I thought when you're looking at any kind of historical event, and the Lusitania is a really good example of this, it, it's very easy to be distracted by the kind of the bigger, the bigger story, you know, um, why, why was it torpedoed? Um, how many torpedoes were there? Why was there a secondary explosion? Um, did it lead to America entering the war? This sort of thing. And instead, it's actually quite nice to look at the more personal side of things, which people can empathise with. So what was it like to actually be travelling on that passenger liner across the Atlantic in 1915 and to be torpedoed and to suddenly be in a, in a you know, um, adrift um, off the coast of Ireland? Um, yeah. and, and it was... Who was this guy? Who was this bloke so, who, who, in this passenger? So um, his name was uh, Richard Preston Pritchard, known as Preston. And at the time of the sinking, he was 29 years old and he was British. But some years before, he'd emigrated to Canada uh, to make his fortune, as, as lots of people did at that time. Um, my own great-grandfather did, funnily enough. Um, but Preston ended up in Montreal and he was training as uh, a doctor. He was at medical college and he just finished his second year at medical school and he was doing very well. Uh, but then he decided uh, in April 1915 to go home to England uh, to sort his finances out. And reading between the lines, I think... 
uh, he was preparing to um, get married because he'd, he'd met a Canadian girl out there and he wanted to sort of get his finances in order. Uh, so that's why that was really the reason he was coming home. Um, so, yeah, he um, got a ticket on uh, the next ship out, which um, he was keen needed to be a fast ship. Uh, because there was a lot of concern at the time in the press about passenger ships um, sailing through what was essentially a war zone with German submarines waiting for them. Um, so he wanted a fast ship, so he chose the Lusitania. And that's basically how he ended up on the ship. Uh, the, the other... Um letters in this collection from Sotheby's as well were they were they a, a variety of passengers men women and were there um did you get a kind of a, a general sense of uh, of the experience so what really happened is that um Preston was on board the ship when it was torpedoed and he lost his life and they never recovered his body um but then his family were desperate obviously to find out what happened to him so what they did is they wrote to everyone they could possibly think of who was who were associated with the ship. So uh, survivors, um, the relatives of people who had also lost their lives, uh, people who were living and working in Queenstown, um, anyone you can think of really that was associated with the ship and that particular voyage um and preston's brother mostyn as well he he actually went out to ireland to sort of do a bit of investigating on the ground as it were and he made some contacts as well um but this collection really it's all all the feedback that they got from this big investigation so the vast majority of the letters as saying, you know, I, I'm sorry, I was on the ship when it sank. Um, I didn't know your son, but mm. this is what happened to me. And so wow, okay. you, you, you get, you know, um, this massive sort of cross-section of all the, all the um, passengers from the different classes, crew, uh, you name it, saying what happened to them, what their personal experience was of, of that event. Um, yeah. I'm, intri I'm intrigued about the kind of the nervousness that must have been on board that ship because they knew they were sailing into a war zone. It was a, it's a sense of them being frightened. Yes, definitely, definitely. Um, I mean, as you can imagine, that, that there's very much um, a, a sort of a cross section of, of different attitudes. But, yes, there, I think there was a lot of nervousness because, you know, it had been in the press immediately beforehand um, that it, it, it was sort of expected that something was going to happen sooner rather than later. Um, I think the hope probably was that if, if a ship like the Lusitania was torpedoed, it wouldn't just sink straight away. You, you'd have quite some time in order to everyone to get into the um, into the lifeboats. So there wouldn't necessarily be any loss of life. It would just be an enormous nuisance to have to, you know, yeah. be suddenly rescued. 
Um, so the idea that a ship could be torpedoed and sunk within minutes, I, I, I don't think that was so much of a worry for people. I think actually they thought, no, this, you know, it's, it's just going to be a, an enormous nuisance for us. No one's actually going to die. Um, yeah. Because, and, and that's why people were travelling as part of their sort of normal lives, as part of their business or whatever, or just sort of going home like Preston was. Uh, it didn't stop them, the fact it was a war, and the fact that they were going through um, an area of sea that they knew was full of German submarines. Yeah. Um, Maybe, I suppose, in the war up to then, the German submarines had been servicing, warning people they were going to sink the ship, giving them a chance to get off it. I mean... That had been the pattern, but it, it now changed, didn't it? Yeah, it changed in February, I think, um, when uh, what they call unrestricted warfare began, um, where the, the whole idea of sort of stopping and searching a ship was kind of abandoned, really, um, and it was considered legitimate to basically, to, you know, attack a ship torpedo it so it started sinking but then for the mo- the passengers to evacuate it um and then to maybe fire another torpedo to sink it properly um but in the lusitania of course it was unusual because there was this secondary explosion so you get one torpedo but one enormous explosion which sinks the whole thing uh, which I don't think anyone actually expected. So it was almost like a, a kind of a freak occurrence. What about people's reaction to it? Is there any kind of what we would call PTSD now? I mean, people suffering you know, mental health issues because of what had happened to them. Are there hints of that? Yeah. And in, in fact, one of the interesting things, I think, about this collection of letters is that survivors were almost sort of falling over themselves to, to share their experiences, to share their testimony. Mm. Um, and I do wonder if it is almost like a therapeutic thing that, you know, you, you, if, if you experience a, a terrible incident, your inclination is to kind of share it with people, to kind of get it out of your system. And there was an enormous amount of that in the letters, if you read them. I think out of about 400 letters... There's only one I can think of where someone specifically says, uh, you know, I'm sorry, I don't want to talk about it. Ah. Which is very interesting, you know. Um, And also, if you look at the newspapers and the press at the time, they're full of letters from survivors describing what happened. Uh, And again, I think it's it's the, the same reason that people partly wanted to get it out of their system and partly because they themselves felt it was an incredibly important event within the war and they wanted people to know about it and they wanted people to remember it. Um, I mean, there's that very famous sort of propaganda poster, isn't there, where it says in big letters, remember the Lusitania. And yeah. there's there's very much that feeling at the time, I think, that people wanted to it to be remembered as this kind of key moment in the war when civilians were attacked. Yeah. 
Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You know, a line would be cross. It reminds me yeah. of, um, in, in some respect, of what's happening in the Ukraine at the minute with a... With a mm a sort of a conscious decision to document and record what's happening. People realise that it's crucially important, that it yeah. doesn't just happen, that it's it's recorded and it becomes, um, you know, a, a, a strong point in history. And it sounds like that's what was going on with the Lusitania. Yeah, absolutely. And, and in fact, you can extend this to the collections of the Imperial War Museum generally because, um, I mean, we cover... Um, the First World War right up to the present day. But the vast majority of testimony that we have is on the two world wars. And it's because people living through that those periods, they knew themselves how world-spanningly important they were. And so you get people suddenly starting to write diaries at the beginning of each uh, world war. Uh, and that's interesting. You know, things like that. And, and you get um, people uh, writing their memoirs immediately afterwards. And you get um, families keeping correspondence um, and things like that, which normally, you know, people probably wouldn't do, you know. So if, if you look at the 20th century... You, uh, and surviving personal testimony, you get massive spikes for the First World War and the Second World War because people felt that they were really important at the time. But if you're looking at something like uh, um, the Korean War, for instance, or the Falklands, yes, there is a bit of a spike, but, but not a huge amount because even though those events were very important, they weren't seen in the same light as world wars. No, that's interesting. I suspect it might be to do with civilians becoming involved, whether they mm. sign up, like they were never expecting to join the Navy or the Army or the Air Force, and suddenly they find themselves as what they consider to be a normal person. They've signed up, and they're like, oh, hang on a minute. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to start writing this down, rather than being a, like a professional soldier and you're just doing what you're doing. That's your job, isn't it? Yeah. And also, what happens with the Lusitania, where you've got civilians, like poor old Preston, who's suddenly caught up in it, um, 
and um, you know needs needs to write it. But I mean, he yeah. his letters are interesting, aren't they? Because you've got the detail of his life uh, before he gets on in great detail. Yes, yes, absolutely, yes. So you you've got his his kind of arrival in Canada and what he was getting up to and the, and the friendships he was he was making out there and things like that. Um, which makes it even more poignant, I suppose, really, that, that you know, he loses his life because he, he's, he's the perfect example, really, of someone who is young, has everything going for him. Um, he sort of went out to Canada, not quite penniless, but, but, you know, certainly not rich, and has made a success of himself. Um, and in fact... You know, the, uh, another sort of level of irony, I suppose, is that he was he was training to be a, a he was training as a medical student to become a doctor, and his intention was to then join up as some kind of whether it was as a volunteer doctor or or actually in the services to actually contribute to the war. Um, so he would have, you know, no doubt done a lot of good work if he'd have survived. Uh, which is particularly yeah. sad, and it's nice that I mean, he's not one of the famous passengers. He's a kind of a, he's a, he's an everyman. He really brings uh, brings history that much closer, doesn't it? I think it makes it much more easy for people to identify with when you've just got the story of some bloke trying to make his way in the world, trying to trying to fall in love and get married, and then gets torpedoed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and 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 that is very much why I wrote the book um, in that I wanted it to be about the everyman. And, and Preston Pritchard is that everyman really, um, yeah. but it, it, you can you can follow his story, and it tells you about the the wider the wider story if you like of, of the whole sinking and in fact what happened afterwards as well, you know the whole legacy of, of uh, the Lusitania, um, but yeah he he's very much the kind of um, uh, the character if you like that you that you can identify with to sort of explain everything else. It's very difficult to, to not read or, or, or write about people like that without a, a sense of appalling foreboding. Because we know we know what's going to happen, don't we? But as, as historians, you've got to kind of cut through that. It's Yeah, absolutely. Um, one sort of slightly spooky thing about him as well is that in one of his... In fact, it might be his final letter that he wrote home to his family just before he embarked uh, from Canada. And he put um, something like, you know, I, I've got a bad feeling about this. Um, so I've, I've locked away all my sort of important papers in a, in a tin chest here in my room at, in my college in Montreal in case anything happens. And you think, oh, crumbs, you know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, there was definitely that sort of sense of foreboding. Yeah. Now, we're, um, we're going to produce another little episode presenting some of these, these accounts. Do you, do you have any in mind? Who, we're going, who are we going to hear from? You've got to give people a bit of a tease. Oh, um, I think we could, we could feature... There's, there's a very nice account written by um uh a, a young man leslie morton 
who was 18 years old, and he was travelling on the ship with his brother, uh, Cliff Morton, and they were basically earning their way across um, by um, acting as lookouts. And Leslie Morton was actually one of... I think he was the only lookout to actually spot the submarine. Um, and he survived. And there's some mm-hmm. wonderful testimony from him. Um, did he see the torpedo coming? I bet he did. He did. Yeah. Or... Yeah, allegedly. Yeah. Um, but his his testimony is very detailed because he talks about, you know, being thrown into the water and floating around and um, seeing the ship go down and narrowly avoiding the mast, one of the masts almost sort of taking him out when it fell down. And there's a particularly nice bit of testimony right at the end where he talks about uh, desperately trying to find his brother because they got separated. And he was in uh, one of the morgues in Queenstown, basically checking all the dead bodies, waiting to find his brother. And he came across one and lifted the sheet to have a look. And he realised that there was someone standing next to him, next in line to look at the same body. And it was his brother. So they were both alive, looking for each other. Looking for each other. Uh, Oh, my goodness me. Which is, you know, an an incredible, incredible story. Um, so, So he's... His testimony is particularly nice because, you know, spoiler alert, but it, it has a nice ending in a way. Yeah. That they both survived yeah. and met each other. Um, uh, another one that it might be quite nice to look at is um, the, 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 there's a very long letter written by someone called Grace French. And Grace French uh, was one of the few people who did know Preston Pritchard and used to sit next to him at the dinner table every evening. Um, And so she wrote back to the family with a a very long, detailed description of the final moments when when the torpedo hit, uh, which are very interesting. Um, And although, like you were saying earlier, it's kind of tempting to add a a kind of, um, uh, you know, a sort of a, a literary sort of artistic aspect to it so it's something something like james cameron's titanic film where everyone's in love and you know there's (laughs) this sort of thing that there is an element of that as well because grace french clearly quite fancied preston pritchard oh that's very Um, sweet and um they used to sort of meet up and go for walks on the deck and this sort of thing and they're about the same age and you know it's quite tempting to sort of think oh yeah you know maybe if they'd both survived they might have sort of gone off and got married or something um but yeah yeah she's really nice but but there's loads of really good um sort of first-hand accounts uh, that we Wonderful. can point to well we'll be bringing them to you our listeners uh, very soon indeed so do please uh, stay tuned anthony thank you very much indeed for telling me all about these wonderful accounts no thank you no thank you for the opportunity Thank you all so much for listening. Now, if you have enjoyed this, do please go back to our catalogue and listen to the other two episodes about the Lusitania disaster so that your knowledge will be complete. There will be an episode in which we read out some of the most extraordinary of those accounts that Anthony has discussed here, and also another in which we discuss the history of the ship and we put the tragedy in the context of shipbuilding at the time and also the war. 
please make sure you also check out our video content. We've been making the most wonderful videos and posting them on the Mariner's Mirror YouTube page and also our new TikTok channel. I'm particularly pleased with our recent mini-series filming the world's best ship models with the latest camera equipment. But best of all, please do join the Society for Nautical Research. Your small subscription will support this podcast and will give you access to four printed copies a year of the excellent Mariner's Mirror Journal, as well as all of the back catalogue. That's over a century's worth. And you get to enjoy all sorts of fantastic membership perks, not least dinner on board HMS Victory. You can find out about all of this at snr.org.uk.